Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome <laughs> to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I'm here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Let's do it. Dad, let's do it. Let's do it. So welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here. I'm so grateful that you're tuning in to Christians with Torah. Uh, if this is your first time here, go ahead and do the thing that we all want you to do. Mm. We want you to subscribe to the channel so that you'll see our teachings on a weekly basis and then ring the notification bell so that you know when they come. Amen? That's right. And then, uh, again, if this is your first time here, Christians with Torah is exactly what it sounds like. We are Christians. We believe in Yeshua, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, right? We believe that he died, was buried, was resurrected, that he is the Son of God, and that God raised him from the dead. Amen? And with all that being said, we throw Torah in there because we believe the whole Bible, from Genesis to Maps, is relevant for believers today. And that's an important distinction that we make because we believe that we can glean God's wisdom right out of the Torah and that it unites us with our brothers and sisters in Israel, the Jewish people. Amen? And what, what else is going to unite us, Right? I mean, other than the king that's coming. Amen? That's true. Amen. So, um, also, uh, if you were tuning in last week, you know that we are in 21 days of prayer and fasting for Israel. Uh, My understanding is that there's like 5 million people that are praying already uh, and fasting for Israel, and that this is going to culminate, right? We're headed up to Shavuot, that more and more people are praying as we go. And then on May 28th, Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, that there are gatherings of intercessors and prayer houses all over the world to the tune of 120 million people that will be praying for Israel on that day. And so what That's I, I want to know is <laughs> what is the world going to look like on May 29th? I mean— The day after? Yeah, my heart is full for that. The 28th is Pentecost. It is. So I'm wondering what's going what's gonna, to—what are we going to be looking God's at? God's word won't come back null and void. It, so. sh- it sure won't. So— He's, and I know that the prayers of a righteous man, right, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so if we can get lots of righteous men to pray, I just feel like that we together can, can I don't know, maybe is it possible for us to pray and, and make God move? I mean, if the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yeah, especially if you're praying the word of God. That's right, reminding him of his promises. Yeah, you're not praying for a refrigerator. <laughs> you're praying for restoration. <laughs> praying for Bible revival. Bible revival. That's right. So um, in the last four seasons, we did the tour portion. So if you are interested in tour resources, we got lots of it. So uh, you can go back and, and just look up any tour portion. Or if you're looking for a book of the Bible specifically, you can look those up and uh, find those either on our YouTube channel. Or uh, there's actually four years worth on the audio and SoundCloud, the I, you know iPhone uh, podcast app. Uh, the Google Podcast app. Wow, so, it's out there. It is, it's out there. And this year, they'll find it for like a year and a half. Actually, we've been studying the gospel. They will find it according to Matthew, and we are coming to an end. And they say it gets darkest before dawn. And I believe that today, as we read these scriptures, we are going to see the darkness. 
because yeah. it gets, it's dark. So we're in the Gospel of Matthew uh, in chapter 27, and today we're going to do verses 45 through 66. And we're going to start off with uh, verses 45 through You want to go ahead and read first, and I'll jump in there after that? I will. Yeshua's death. It says, you shot, <clears throat> uh, Jesus dies on the cross. It says, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed, and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Wow. <clears throat> so we write, where are they going to something good here? From now or now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. So from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, which is a three-hour window, there was darkness. From noon to 3 p.m., there was darkness. So at noon, so at high noon, it went dark. So that's a miracle from God. Josephus says that the ninth hour was the time when Jews offered the daily evening sacrifice. Interesting. Um, well, he hung on the cross. It was 9 o'clock, right? He hung on the cross for six hours. Isn't that right. correct? I believe so, yes. 9 a.m.? Yeah. Um, so, the darkness was not a result of a solar eclipse since Passover occurred during a full moon. And a solar eclipse can occur only during a new moon. Rather, it is a supernatural act of God. Now, That's a pretty cool fact. Astronomical facts here. I don't know. I have to go back and check that out and make, confirm that, you know. Because um, I thought there was, I thought they could like, Go back and see if there was a solar eclipse. Well, they can, but we know just from a timing standpoint of when he was that even like because there's some controversy around whether or not it was actually a Passover or not, or if it was the day before, the day after, all that kind of stuff. But it doesn't matter. It definitely wasn't a new moon, for sure. So, so there's no lunar eclipse. So there was here. no solar eclipse. So this is not. There's no lunar eclipse. It says well, it's that n- it's noon, so it would have to be a solar eclipse. Yeah, the darkness was not a result of a solar eclipse since Passover occurred during a full moon. Correct. And a solar eclipse can occur only during a new moon. Correct. So at noon, because it's the light. Okay, right. Got it. Right, right. Rather, it is a supernatural act of God. The ninth plague that took place in Egypt when the children of Israel were in bondage was darkness, and the tenth plague was the death of the firstborn. Wow. So now we have says darkness. Because Yeshua is the firstborn. And he's the firstborn. Yeah. I know. That is, that is really, really interesting. Cool. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabathani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, this man calleth for Elias, or it's Elijah. You can always remember Elijah, J before Elisha, S. So Elijah was the original prophet there, and then uh, he was the mentor to Elisha. And Elijah was the one who got caught up in a fiery chariot. Do you know what the names are in Hebrew? Because really it's sure. Eliyahu, right? Would be, That's would be interesting. Elijah. That's interesting. And then I don't know what the uh, I don't know what Elisha's name, but some people say what Elisha, just to keep it keep it clean. Interesting. Jesus was not questioning God. He was quoting the first line of Psalm 22, a deep expression of the anguish he was feeling as he took on the sins of the world 
which caused him to experience temporary separation in his humanity from his father. This was what Jesus had dreaded as he had prayed to God in the garden to take the cup from him. So Psalm 22. Yeah, there it is. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Anguish and praise. Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? So anyway, um, so as far as Jesus taking on humanity, God could separate from that as a spirit. It's very interesting, you know. Well, and, and, you know, there's people make some theoretical statements like, you know, because the sin was now upon Yeshua, that God had to turn his back on him in order for the death to actually be the significant sacrifice that it was called to be. You know, it, it's something to think about, you know, this whole procedure, the protocol. Mm-hmm. So if God is holy and he made us in his image and we can choose, and sometimes we choose wrongly, then he's got to have a way out for us. But he can't break the protocol of his own nature and being. That's the thing that gets right. me, you know. The bystanders misinterpreted Jesus' words and thought he was calling for Elijah because Elijah had ascended into heaven without dying, Second Kings 2.11. They thought he would return again to rescue them from great trouble, Malachi 4.5. At the annual Passover meal, each family would set an extra place for Elijah in expectation of his return. Yes. So, and then it goes on to say, uh, you know, and straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias or Elijah will come to save him. Wow. And so, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. You know, there's a lot of people that don't like the word ghost. I know. It's a King James thing, the Holy Ghost, yeah. right? People are like, no, it's the Holy, Holy Spirit. And it's like. You know, but uh, this is interesting. If you could look at these verses. Sure. John 10, verses 17 and 18. Here's, the, here's what the statement is. Even in death, Jesus maintains authoritative control over his destiny. Which I love this. This is such a good point because there's so many people that think the Romans killed him or the Jews killed him and all these things. But here's what we know. It says now, uh, this is first chapter 10. I'm in Acts. How did I get into Acts? John chapter 10. I apologize. John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. I mean, if that doesn't like settle the matter. He did it on his own. He did it of his own accord. So, so why wouldn't we want to serve him? What about Hebrews? I'll read it. 716. Okay. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Wow. That's deep. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Interesting. I mean, that's that's got to be. So that's God in the flesh. It is. Oh, an absolutely. endless life. I mean, that's deep. You know, speaking of which, I, I saw a video the other day talking about the deity of Yeshua and how like there's certain verses that people use. And um, they went through the Greek on uh, all the things where people claim the deity of Yeshua. 
<coughs> and man, the Greek is just like even better than the English when it comes to claiming deity for Yeshua. It's just there's just no way around it. Like if you if you're getting into it now, of course I'm I don't speak Greek. I don't know Greek. I'm John. I'm taking the word for the teacher that was giving. That it. would be an interesting study in the Greek. But it was really good because stuff. you got Greek mythology, right? Uh, <laughs> it's funny, you know. But it, it was just because like there's certain verses that say like our Lord and God, right? Our God and Lord Jesus Christ. And so people say like, oh no, see, because in English you could say, and our God, stop, and Lord Jesus Christ, saying they're two separate things. But when you put it in the Greek, it's it's all one together. That's interesting to study the Greek. Oh, and you can learn more. I've never seen that before. It. Yeah, it does. So that confirms, good. you know. Uh, so, so Jesus laid down his own life. He did. Wow. That's really good, you know. Um, and we're supposed to remember his death. Right, sin is so bad that Jesus had to die. Well, and we probably should no take greater a love than this and though. realize that, like what we just read, is that He gave up the ghost. Right, He He gave His spirit up to the Lord, and He did. He died. That's that's what just happened in the scriptures that we just read, and just what a sacrifice, and how thankful we are for the fact that He did that for us, that He didn't spare His own life, that He came in human form. To do the work. And recognize that. And recognize Boy, isn't that the biggest battle that everybody has? That Jesus died for my sins. Well, and I have sinned. Boy, have I. Right? I don't, I don't claim the pride to be chief sinner like Paul does. Yeah, he can have that. He can have it. But, <laughs> I, like but I, I will say that the depravity of my sin is no better than anybody else's. And I am so thankful because it, there's part of me that feels like, well, I should have taken responsibility for my own sin. You know, there's a part of us, as I think as men, that feel that way. But it's like, I could, I can't. There's, I mean, it's either eternity in hell or I take the free gift of salvation given by Yeshua. Right. I'm going to pull the cord, man. I'm going for Yeshua, you know, because right. then I get to be with him. And then now guess what? Now that I pulled the cord, out come the blessings and I get to serve, right? What an to just reflect on that. What a kingdom. A place of rest. Right? What an economy that God has created for us. A place us. of rest. So he, he, he gives up the ghost. Yeah. So I'm going to read in Matthew 27, verses 51 through 56. The centurion and many women are witnesses. Wow, that's interesting. It's very interesting. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion, and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, truly this was the Son of God. I knew it was coming. John Wayne. I remember that. Yeah, truly this was the Son of God. Wow. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joses, and the mother of Zebedee's children. So, wow. Before we go any further, I just want to recognize that it says the mother of Zebedee's children. I'm just thankful for the writer, Matthew, here, for keeping things in biblical order, you know? Just after Mother's Day, of course. The mother of Zebedee's children. It doesn't say Salome. It doesn't say uh, James and John's mom. It says the mother of Zebedee's children. Just makes me a little happy there. So, Josie says Mary. Okay, so. Uh, 
I'm and the up. mother of Zebedee. So she had other children. I thought Sons of Thunder. Well, we, yeah, James and John, Sons James of Zebedee, and right? And I'm sure they had other siblings. Um, so how do you keep that in context? I just keep it in context by just being appreciative that it recognizes the patriarchy as as defined by the Bible, right? That, that Zebedee's a patriarch, <clears throat> he's a great man, right? And that we're recognizing the fruit. So Mary was actually Josie's. No, it says Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Oh, so so here's the thing. And the mother of Zebedee's children. So let me see where are we at. We're in verse. This is in verse 56. So I don't want to get too far off track here. Uh, but if we go to verse 56, I wonder because it's it's obviously Joseph right there. But Jesus had four brothers. Okay, Judah, James, Joseph, and was it was it the fourth one? I don't remember. Oh, come on. They're right here. You do, you do better than I do. We just did it this the other day. Hang on. I'm going to pull it up. So so he, Jesus has four brothers, and those are the names, right? But, like, James is usually the name Yaakov, right? So Jesus' brother James is actually Yaakov. Uh, brothers, names. Um, it's in uh, Mark 6.3. That's what it was. I, you know what? I showed this to a guy the other day. We were, I was having a conversation with a, a friend of mine that's Catholic, and we were talking about it. And uh, he was like, wait, Jesus had brothers? I was like, yeah, bro. Didn't you read? <laughs> it's a funny conversation. So in Matthew 6, 3. Matthew or Mark? It says, okay. So this Mark is. Six, I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize. Mark 6, 3. So Jesus goes to Nazareth. All right. And the people there are like, wait a second. Isn't this that guy we know? So this is what they say. They say, is this not the carpenter? And the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. His other brother was Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? <coughs> so they were offended at him, right? And this is when Yeshua says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. So if people are familiar with the story, but they're not so familiar with the fact that Jesus' four brothers are mentioned. Now, here it says that this is Mary, instead of saying Yeshua's mother, it says the mother of James and Joseph, and those are two of the names of Jesus' brothers, but it's not all four of his brothers. So it's a little confusing. Like, are we talking about Mary, the mother of Yeshua here, or are we talking about somebody else? And I don't have the answer to that. That's a good point. So let's go back to the top, though, starting in verse 51. Yeah, go into the veil. All right, and it says, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the, uh, the rocks rent. Right, so when we talk about the veil here, the curtain, <coughs> this is the curtain uh, separating the holy place, right, where the menorah, the table of showbread, and the altar of incense are, right. okay, from the most holy place where right. the Ark of the Covenant was. And it was torn in two down the middle. Now, this is out of my ignorance. I always thought that it was already torn down the middle, right? Like, how does the high priest enter through it if it doesn't have, like, a separation, you feel me? Yeah. But in this case, I, I feel obviously there, this was significant or else it wouldn't be here. So clearly there was something there and maybe they entered through so the side or something. The centurion like that. could see inside the temple going into the Holy of Holies. That's the veil that was torn. Correct. Not the outer court. No, 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 no. Of course not. Or no, the no. In, not the inner court, but the, right. the Holy of Holies. Right. Veil. Yeah, interesting. And I also always imagined, because like, you know how when we see visual representations of the inside of the temple, that it was like a sheer thing that you could actually see kind of through this veil. So think about it. Yeshua had to have died on the Mount of Olives right there. Because if you have to see through the Eastern Gate. Yeah, the Eastern Gate. Gate. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Because that's where they talk about when you go on the um, the wall tour. 
they point to the place that looks like Golgotha, right? I think you talked about that last week. It looks like a skull. Yeah. So it's torn in two from the top to the bottom when Yeshua dies, symbolizing that the barrier between God and humanity has been removed. Now all people are free to approach God because of Christ's sacrifice for our sins. And my only thing, what I would say is, maybe not all people, all people that have accepted Yeshua, yeah. right? They're free to do that. So, if they so choose. Correct. So now verse 52, And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared That's to really interesting. This is nuts. That's a big tidbit there after his resurrection. Abraham's bosom was depleted. Yes, let, let me read. They left out of there. Let me read these two um, bullet points real quick, and then I want to talk about this a little more. It says, The saints which slept and arose were probably pious Old Testament figures and godly intertestamental Jews. I like that word, intertestamental. You Big know? time word. It's funny because I always talk about the middle of the Bible right here. It's old and new. Right? Where like you have this page, you know, where. So what's intertestamental? It's between it, the old and the new. It, it's right here. Yeah. It's right here. This is intertestamental, this page where it says New right. Testament and there's like right. a blank page, you know, that's intertestamental. But it's such a good object lesson because it shouldn't be there, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> the veil has been torn. Right. Anyways, so intertestamental Jews re-embodied to witness the new order of things that was now in the process of dawning. Now, this shows that the resurrection of people who died looking forward to the Messiah depends on Christ's actual death and resurrection of Jesus' disciples today. All right. So I want to just put a little note, a little little stop there, and then I want to read the next point, and then I want to talk about this some more. So the ones that came out of the graves after Jesus' resurrection, where Matthew apparently jumps ahead here, treating materials topically as he often does. So instead of doing this in a timeline, he jumps ahead to after Jesus is risen. Yeah, he does. And talks about this. It says and um, so jumps ahead here and beings to speak of events. That would happen after the resurrection and begins. This is the word begins, not beings. Yeah, begins. begins. All right. Uh, and not merely brought back to life like Lazarus, but were raised with new resurrected bodies, a foretaste of what would happen to all believers at Christ's return. Now, here's, here's so I have a little gripe. I'm going to just complain a little bit. Why isn't there more said about this in the Bible? I know, you're right. That's like true. this to me yeah. is a huge event. That's a good point. Yeah. I imagine the disciples seeing like uncle John, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, Hey, look at bro. I buried you like last year. And then I took your bones and I put them in an ostuary. Right. I I'm just, I'm thinking about this and that now they've shown up resurrected with Yeshua. So I, I here's what I imagine. Yeshua is in the tomb. Okay. And the earth had quaked. What is it? three days prior right and the tombs like the stones that cover tombs and stuff maybe they got disheveled right because the rocks get moved because it would it would not be fun to get resurrected and then be stuck in the tomb like banging on the wall like help me i know <laughs> but so abraham's bosom was they were waiting for the resurrection so imagine <coughs> that the energy right that the, the the spirit of god that resurrects our uh, resurrected our savior just like poof just like a blast goes out. And that any of these people that were in Christ, oh, I say in Christ. I guess they weren't in Christ because Christ hasn't been resurrected yet. Right. So so that we got a new definition of saints here, right? Old Testament saint, something like that, get resurrected. Now, 
The only thing I can think of that why there's not more things written about this in the Bible is that maybe these guys were like raptured up pretty quickly, right? They were resurrected and then taken. Which is an interesting observation. So yeah. if Yeshua has been resurrected, what's not to say that we don't do the same thing? Right. To be absent from the bodies to be with the Lord. I don't. It says know. that when you die, your flesh goes into the dirt. Right. And your spirit goes to God. Right. And then, well, and then there's Sheol, right? Which Sheol is many times translated as hell, but in this Sheol is this place called Abraham's bosom. And then another place that's fiery, that's not good, all in the same place. Wow. So, and they could see each other from either side, but they can't cross over because there's a, a great cavern in the middle. Right. So that's all I know. I don't know how it works. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Uh, it's, it, but it's, we get little clues. So moving on. So uh, verse 54. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying... What? <laughs> they feared greatly, saying, truly this was the oh, Son of yeah. God. That was the centurion. That's yeah. your line. Yeah. I was cueing you. I'm sorry. I'm that's okay. Out of it. So, and then verse 55, which I think is cool, right? Even the Roman that's there, either presiding over the crucifixion or actually participating, right, right declares a Gentile truly this was the Son of God. Why? Because he sees the earthquake. He sees the darkness, right? What, what else is there to say? So verses 55 and 56. Says, and many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. Now these women accompanied Jesus as his disciples, witnessed the crucifixion, and will be the first witnesses to his resurrection. So, a lot of people ask about the disciples, the men, right? And I think it's a good point. You know, these women were faithful even unto Yeshua's death. They went right. all the way with him. And uh, I think that's pretty... I think women have it in them more naturally to just be more faithful. Yeah, women in ministry. To just be better... Down. Women better, in ministry. Be better friends, you know? Um, but... I think in the Gospel of John, John talks about being there at the crucifixion. Yeah, because he said, Mother, behold thy son, right. son, behold thy right, mother. Right, 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 exactly. We know that much. So I just, you know, I ponder this, and I think, you know, we don't know exactly how many of the disciples were there witnessing either, you know, standing in the crowd with like a cloak on or whatever, just kind of trying to hide, you know, their identity, or if they had actually just ran off and were really truly gone, you know? right. But here's the, the discussion question. Discuss the faithfulness of all those that were willing to be at the cross to witness Yeshua's death. Wow. Do you have any, anything for me? I have this. They were prepared to be mocked and scorned as well as Jesus. Mm. So you're showing up at the foot of the cross or in that area. Yeah. So they were prepared to be mocked and scorned as well as Jesus. Right. Like, I know the guy I'm here. Pay my respects. Well, I, I agree. I think that this is, um, like, me personally, my personality, I have, like, what, what do they call it, an eye on the disc profile? I'm a heavy eye. So I, I feed off of others' emotions pretty heavily. So negative people, like, it's almost like a, it repels me a little bit. Yeah. So, like, complaining and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. 
But what really, really gets to me is sadness. Like yeah. somebody gets sad, like somebody dies, somebody's like really, really sad. Man, I run because I like take it on. Like I'm gonna be sad with that. If I stay there, I that's too, why. Yeah, I can't watch a lot of Holocaust documentaries right. or movies. Right, or going to I just grieve. Right, I grieve exactly. I, right. I, I can't watch it. It's too much of a tragedy. Now, later in life, God has shown me that this is not a. I think I was listening to like Rabbi Jeremy Gimpel or Ari Abramowitz one day on their podcast, and they were just kind of describing how in like Jewish tradition they really experience. The good, the bad, and the ugly of life. Right. You don't want to not experience it. So that's why, like, the ninth of Av is a thing. They want to really truly yeah, yeah. experience it. Yeah, yeah, you want to afflict yourself. So I've started to kind of learn that God has given me maybe a gift of feeling that with others, that I do truly take on that sadness, and there's a holy sadness when you're having empathy for others, you know? And so... I don't know because, you know, again, these disciples, we don't know their ages, but if Yeshua is only 33, we can imagine the ages of these disciples. I know. Me in my 20s, I'd have been out of there. You know, I'm like, I ain't staying around for this. Why, why, why am I going to get killed too? Like, why am I going to get, you know, why am right. I stick around for this? I'm out. Um, but me today, I would hope that I would be strong enough in the Lord to stay. And I believe that that's the lesson or the example that we get from the disciples. When they were young and they were under his tutelage, right. they weren't quietly matured to their fullness yet. But like they said, it's better that I go away. Right. Right? So that you can have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, matures these young men into better believers. And then guess what? Now they all end up as martyrs because they go to their deaths preaching the gospel. Wow. So that's why faithfulness is important, especially when it comes to the Lord's death, because he gave everything for us, you know? That's right. So, all right, I guess I'm going to read? <coughs> yeah. All right, so I'm going to read chapter 27, verses 57 through 61, the burial of Jesus. And I'll just read it in the King James. It says, When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in, uh, out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Wow. You know, and also where it says the other Mary, we have another Mary. So do we have three Marys? Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, possibly Jesus' uh, mother. And then this Mary, is this Martha's sister, Lazarus' sister? I know. It's very interesting. Yeah, we, got, we just don't know. But Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin who did not consent to the actions against Jesus. In Luke chapter 23, verses 50 and 51, you want to read that? Luke, Luke 23, 23, verses 50 and 51. So Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin who did not consent to the actions against Jesus. All right, so Luke 23, 23 50, 50 and 51. 51. So now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision indeed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. Wow. He himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. So the location of Arimathea is uncertain. With you, bro. Perhaps Ramathaim in the hill country of Ephraim. Ah. 20 miles northwest of Jerusalem. Maybe it was an Ephraimite. 
Well, I guess he had to be a well, Sanhedrin a priest, right? Or is he an elders? Are Sanhedrin priests? Not necessarily. Interesting. Judah, right? That'd be interesting. That's that'd be interesting. Because you don't have to be a to be a judges Pharisee. Judges and priests, yeah. You know, I thought the priests were judges, but well, but I mean, but there's judges that were from Ephraim. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, so I think to be a priest, you have to be a, a Kohen, a son of Aaron. Yeah. To be a Levite, you have to be of the tribe of Levi. Right. But then to be king or to be whatever, or as part of the council, I right. think it was um, to be part of the Jewish people, Judah. Jewish custom dictated that crucified bodies should be taken down before evening. You want to read Deuteronomy 21, verses 22 and 23? Deuteronomy... 21, verses 22 and 23. Jewish custom dictated that crucified bodies should be taken down before evening. So it says here, If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. Wow. Joseph courageously asked to take Jesus' body from the cross and to bury it. The disciples who publicly followed Jesus had fled. But the Jewish leader who followed Jesus in secret came forward and did what was right. Wow. You know, it's interesting. The name Joseph means to add to, added. So Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. You know, add to. I have a note here. I forget who said this last night, but it was, it was a very impactful statement. It said, Joseph of Arimathea didn't take any account of his own reputation. You know? Wow, that's good. Joseph. Of course, Joseph was the earthly father of Jesus. So that name Joseph means to add to. See, that's where we're the house of Joseph. We need to add to the house of God. That's right. It can't be just the Jews and Judah. We have to have Joseph and Judah. I love that Joseph means to add to. And that the Christians, right, those that believe on Yeshua, are grafted into Israel, are added to Israel through the house of Joseph. Come on, somebody. I know. You can't make this stuff up. What's God's plan? It is God's plan. If you think about what he's doing, so he took Joseph and had the two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he gave the firstborn blessing to Ephraim. He says Ephraim's going to become a multitude of nations, you know, a fullness of Gentiles. And so that's what we're seeing today, that I God's just restoring the plan back together, you know. Uh, the use of a rich man's tomb fulfills Isaiah 53, 9, and I'll read that. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Wow, that's Isaiah 53. That's powerful. Praise God. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Wow, or deaths. The use of a rich man's tomb fulfills Isaiah 53.9. That is incredible. Interesting. This is so, so interesting. So I'm going to jump in here. Matthew chapter 27, verses 62 to 66. All right. Here we go. Oh, now the next day that followed... The day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, 
You have a watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Man. The religious leaders... I'll let you... Please, please. No, you do that bullet point. Okay, all right, I got it. Yeah, it's your turn. All right, so the religious leaders took Jesus' resurrection claims more seriously than the disciples did. Wow. Interesting point. The disciples didn't remember Jesus' teaching about his resurrection, which he taught about in uh, one example, Matthew 20, verses 17 through 19. Right. But the religious leaders did, and they took steps they thought would prevent it, or at least a fabrication of it. Now, because of his claims... They were almost as afraid of Jesus after his death as when he was alive. I find this interesting because they were like, oh, this ruckus that has been created because of him up to now pales in comparison to the ruckus that will happen if people are made to believe that he actually rose from the dead. Wow. Little did they know that he was actually going to raise from the dead. How about this, though? Think about these religious leaders that, that think they have it all together and they don't. Isn't it today? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of religious leaders think they got it all together and this and that, and they don't. I know. It's a shame. Right. It is a shame. I mean, it's only by God's grace and mercy that we know what we know and we're doing what we're doing. But I'm right. saying that. Think about the people that are just stuck. Yeah. They're stuck. It's tough. They just Jesus, just Jesus, and that's it. He's the Son of God. He died. Okay, that's it. Yeah. There's so much more. There is. Well, it's the fullness, Whew. right? He said, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's the, how do you get around that? I don't know. How do you get around that? But it's the fullness, right? It's the fullness. There's a fullness. And I, I mean, we say this word, right? The fullness of the Gentiles, right? When they come into their Hebrew roots, when they come into who they are and who he is. Well, the, look at the fullness. of Then the, all of Israel will be saved. Look at the fullness of the body of Christ in the fivefold ministry. You look at Ephesians 4 and what? 1 Corinthians, I forget. It's 13, maybe 14. Um, talk, it talks about the, the, um, the fivefold ministry and how this is what brings in the fullness of Yeshua into the body because we all are in it. What is it? It's First uh, Corinthians 12 and then, first, and then Ephesians 4. Um, but it's important that we remember this word fullness, this pleroma, because what, what does he say? He says, I did not come to destroy the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill, right, to bring it to its so it, fullness. So it's likened to a jar that's filled with something. Correct. Halfway. Right. But more has to be filled. Correct. That's Joseph. Correct. Add to. That's the Gentiles. To add to. See. But here's what's great. Just like the Havdalah service, where you pour the wine in the cup, it's already got some wine in it, and what do you do? You pill it, pour it all the way to overflowing. Yeah. You know? And I picked up this little tradition that they have in, in Israel. I don't know if it's an Israeli thing or if it's a Hayavel thing, but the little kids, they all go, once once it starts to spill over, they go, he spilled it! They just do this cute little thing, and I, I don't know why I always love that so much, but it's like, man... We can't give anybody what God hasn't already given us, That's right? That's true. So we have to be filled. But That's then true. what we, we ask for what? God, I want to be filled to overflowing. Right. I want this to, I want you to give me so much goodness, I can't help it, but spill out on others. You know That's what I mean? Right. Just like get them all red with wine, you know, and just like yeah. stained. They'll be stained with it, you know? <laughs> I'm telling you right now. There's, a, there's some prophecy in that, you know? Fun stuff. Uh, all right, so uh, a couple more bullet points here. Uh, they tried to take every precaution that his body would remain in the tomb. Because the tomb was hewn out of a rock in the side of a hill, it had only one entrance. The tomb was sealed by stringing a cord across the stone that was rolled over the entrance. The cord was then sealed at each end with clay, right? 
You seal. Have you seen the movie Risen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the best like I've ever seen it look, right? As far as like what it might have actually been like right. to cover, you know, ropes and stuff. Right. And then when the guy comes, they're like, eh. he picks up the rope. He's like, it looks like it like exploded. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, and the stone's way over there. It's not even like it took I ten know. of us to just roll I it. This he's like, stone's like ten feet that way. It like blew off. <laughs> I thought that was. And next week or no, in two weeks, but we'll finish up. But Matthew twenty-eight, the angel of the Lord rolls the stone away. Yeah. So so people can go in and look. You know, I never knew that. You know, not it, to, not to let Jesus out. Because he rolls the stone, but he wasn't in there. That's right. The stone couldn't hold him back. You know what's cool to me? The power of God. I mean, just imagine. Resurrecting a dead man. I mean, come on. He had to do three days. Boom. So he's down there in in Hades three days. Oh, yeah. He's taking the... Just waiting for the resurrection. He's got that squirt gun going to hell. He's preaching the gospel and sharing and doing things, right? right. He's doing something. I think he went down there and slapped the devil. There's a whole other avenue. That's a whole other world. Yeah. Literally. All right, so the religious leaders took a further precaution, asking that guards be placed at the tomb's entrance. The Pharisees failed to understand that no rock seal, guard, or army could prevent the Son of God from rising again. Come on! I know. Now the Roman safeguarded everything. That's right. Well, that just shows you that God's will is God's will. We can do everything we want to do in the flesh. I'm going to do this, this, and I'm going to stop it. No. Come on, bro. Like trying to stop us from the land. don't stand a chance. Oh, you, you can only get a visa. You can't live here. Mm-hmm. No, that's how my father says. Right? That's right. I'm just, it's funny, you know, I laugh, you know. So the Roman military guard assigned to watch over the tomb of Jesus would have been the same guards who oversaw the temple security. So these were like guys that should have known the how real, to secure something. The real something. deal, yeah. Yep. The real deal, man. Wow. Thank you, Lord. All right, so what two points did you get? Out of Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 through 46. Pastor Nick. Number one. I love this. The sins of mankind were so bad that the Son of God had to suffer and die. That's just number one. I mean, I'm just, there's no other reason for it. Okay, I made you, Ryan. You messed Mm -hmm. up. I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to take the hit. Yeah. I'm going to be the fall guy. What a great God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just got a download. Why would he want to do that for you, Ryan? Because he wants Ryan to be with him forever Amen. and to celebrate with him and to be with him. Now, after a thousand Thank year you, reigns, you know, I know I was just thinking, so he wants me and you to participate and, and all be of you, with him. And all of you And all. be with him. Yeah. And so what should ever get us down but nothing? Nothing. Because he wants us to be with him forever. So after the thousand-year reign, there's a new heaven, new earth. What about, what about after that then? Well, it's because we have the spirit of Manasseh on us. <coughs> What's going to happen? Cause me to forget, you know? Number two. This is what really gets me. Yeshua was obedient even to the point of death. Hallelujah. So what's our excuse? Ooh, what is our excuse? No, that's what I'm saying, though. It's like, okay, how come I'm not obedient? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was to the obedient to the point of death. Yeah. So there's something going on here. It's really deep if you think about it. Is, it is, man. It's it's deep calling. For me, deep. it's so deep. It's a deep subject. I just gave two books out to Cynthia and Byron, um, What Does God Want by Dr. Michael Heiser. Oh, uh, yeah. And God wants you. For those of you that are watching and listening, God wants you. So let's participate in his plan. Let's yeah. let's really think about it. Let's Let's give him praise, you know. Put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Let's Hallelujah. let's praise him because 
He wants us to participate. That's Isaiah 61, right? I'm not sure, but I know one thing, you know, I'm participating with God. Listen, I've been, like I said, I've been, I've been reading Isaiah's prophecies for like I am participating with God. What are your two points? And he does say, he says, preach good tidings, proclaim liberty, right? And to, and to comfort all who mourn, to console all who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, the joy of mourning, joy, uh, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they will be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Wow. Hallelujah. That's God's promises because he makes good promises. <coughs> And he fulfills his promises. All right. You know, I wanted to say this, but it's for next week. But I said, the sins of mankind were so bad that the Son of God had to suffer and die. But my second point was going to be this, and, and for next week, it probably will be. Well, if they made it this far into the podcast, they deserve a preview. Yeah, so this is what I was thinking. Okay, if that's how bad sin is, that he had to die, then... How much a greater love for us to give us eternal life. Oh, man. So he loves us so much that he wants us to be with him forever. Yeah. To hang out, do stuff. Yeah. That is so deep. So, yeah, that's that's my third point. But, yeah, it was like, well, okay, well, then he loves me so much that he's willing to give me eternity. So I could be with him forever. And we're going to judge angels. The rewards. It's crazy. You I mean, God just has given us so I much. Know. It's, I, it's I almost just, it's almost like, well, I don't know how to, how to take it all in. If you just get cleaned out and get in his word and chew on it, Man. you just can't stop thinking about it. Oh, wow. All right. Where am I? All Point right. number one. Point number one. one sh- watching someone die can be very, very difficult. Wow. Uh, much less watching the person within whom you have put your hope, Right? die i think that that is there because with him dies for a lot of them right their hope for the future you know um because they were mourning him but also themselves that's six hours too oh man torture agony six hours then it says he opened not his mouth so like he took it like i wonder if there's going to be a heavenly flicks where you can go and check out the crucifixion. Can we not do that? No, I would want to. You would? I would wa- well, he says he's going to wipe every tear. Well, you know away. how like there's certain parts that you uh, like skip through on movies? Like, oh, but that's how inappropriate much, how or whatever. How grateful would you be, though? I'd be fast-forwarding to the tomb opening. I'd be like, you know what? I know what happens here, but well, like, I mean, let's go to that I don't part. know if I want to watch six hours of him on that cross. Right. But I wonder how much we'll like, I mean, you're gonna have get a lot to of time see on or know. <laughs> how much <laughs> we're going to get to see and know. Yeah, you're going to have eternity. Wow. All right, so number number two, point number two. Friends will forsake us, but we will always have the Lord. Wow. You know, um, he forsook himself, right? He forsook his son so that he wouldn't have to forsake us, right? And that's just a big deal. Um, what, what a gift we've been given from the Lord. Amen. You can pray. All right. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. God, thank you that you have done everything for us, God. Where we had no way, you came and made a way. Even the spiritual beings didn't know what you were doing. They didn't know what your plan was. They thought they had you. But God, you are not mocked. And we know what happens next week 
And we're so excited about your resurrection, Lord. But today, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for what you did for us on the cross. And we thank you for what you've done for our families on the cross and for the people under the sound of my voice, God. All these people that we're going to have as a community in the kingdom because of what you did, because you saved all of us. We're so blessed. And we say thank you today in Yeshua's mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. All right. Well, listen, keep the conversation going in the comments. If you had anything you were interested in on here, go ahead and let us know. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, uh, if it's not through the comments, you can send me an email at ryan at twopraise.net. And uh, if you need anything, resources, anything like that, uh, please don't hesitate to, uh, to let us know. Bless you guys. Have a great week. <laughs>